Hello, welcome to the Relevant Faith Podcast. My name is Frank Mistretta, and on this podcast, Pastor Troy Wallace and I have Bible-focused, Jesus-centered discussions about what it looks like to live as a Christian in today's culture. If you have any feedback, want to ask a question, have a topic you would like us to talk about, or just want to be on the show, you can email us at relevantfaithpodcast at gmail.com. You can also check out Crosspoint Adventist Church on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Adventist and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash crosspointadven. That's A-D-V-E-N. Be sure to watch the Crosspoint Worship Service live stream at our website at crosspointadventist.com Saturdays at 11.30 a.m. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Okay, everyone, welcome to episode six of Relevant Faith. I'm here with Troy Wallace. How are you doing, Troy? I'm doing pretty good, Frank. I'm uh, a little stir crazy right now, spending a lot of time at home. But besides that, I'm doing pretty good. Yeah, nice, man. You know, it's uh, it's interesting because I hear so many different things back and forth about like, you know, the quarantine's going to last years or next month we're going to open up everything. And it's enough to drive you crazy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, luckily, we have a special guest that we can talk about some of this stuff with today. Um, we have Beth James with us. Hello, Beth. How are I'm you? I'm great. Thanks for inviting me on. Yeah, so Beth, uh, you're a member of Crosspoint, yes. and um, you know Troy and I uh, thought that you would have a lot to offer to to help us all kind of um, just cope with what's going on in the world. So, uh, would you mind telling us a little bit about yourself and what you do for work? Yeah, I am a mental health therapist, and um, been in working in the field for about twenty four years. I think I could be mm-hmm. off by a year or two. Um, not keeping super close track of that. Um, I thought I would just give a little bit of backstory about yeah. like where I came from and how I ended up where I did. Um, I actually grew up in the prairies of South Dakota um, and on a farm there. And um, my mother became an Adventist when I was about four or five years old. Mm. And um, that didn't go over really well with my dad. He was not... <laughs> he was not happy that she chose to be an Adventist. And so I lived in this environment where, you know, I would go to to church with my mom and dad would stay home. And there was a little bit of a divide there. Hmm. So one of my favorite sanctuaries was summer camp. Uh, Love, love summer camp. And when Hmm. I was about, I think about 11 years old, the pastor there um, did some um, one-on-one sessions with me and I decided I wanted to get baptized and through that decision um, it was decided we would wait a year for me to get baptized because it was the end of the week and my mom Mm -hmm. wanted to be there well over the course of the year um, my my dad was impressed uh, to come closer and closer to God and so one thing that was really important to me was that that was he he came to my baptism that was a really big Mm. deal and um I was baptized by Lauren Seibold. I don't know how many people recognize that. Yeah, name. I know that guy. I know that name. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when he was young. <laughs> cool. Um, at a little camp in South Dakota. And um, even though at that point, my dad did come to Christ and he was baptized into the church within a year, he still didn't see the point of me going to academy um, in North Dakota. And so I had to fight a little bit for that opportunity. And um, he eventually Mm. did let me go when I was a sophomore. 
And uh, I enjoyed my academy years, but kind of typical teenage angsty situations. You know, by my senior year, I had um, kind of felt like I'd lost my faith and didn't really Mm. know if there was a God. Um, And it so happened that I was feeling that way on one of the home leaves that I went on. And granted, this is North Dakota. and I lived in South Dakota. It was about a five hour drive. Mm -hmm. And um, it was the middle of winter. So you just have to expect it's going to be a snowstorm. (laughs) So uh, we were driving down this two lane road and um, hit a patch of black ice. Well, I knew there were two cars coming towards me and there were two cars behind me. And we started sliding down the road. Uh Yeah. Um, And just before we hit the, the cars coming toward us, the car slid into our lane and stopped dead what yeah it was pretty crazy um and then um everybody checked that we were okay we went home and then the next morning we go to church and my youth leader asked me um if we had any problems coming home and I said yes why Hmm. and she said at exactly the time we had this happen God had impressed upon her to pray for us Hmm. and um she had done that and it, it was just pretty amazing the way it all fell into place and never questioned God again after that. <laughs> wow. Wow. That's intense. Man. That's yeah. Wow. So through the course of high school and all of that, I also was just more and more impressed that I wanted to be a mental health therapist. And that was really kind of come to, I kind of came to that decision um, because I was hearing a lot of things about, well, people that are depressed, they're just not praying hard enough or they're, mm. they're, they don't have strong enough faith. Um, and I really didn't believe that I felt like, you know, people need mental health therapists, just like they need doctors. And, um, it led me to the psychology field and I got my bachelor's at Walla Walla and started working at a residential facility for teen girls, um, in Portland after that. Um, there's some pretty tough cookies in there. It was a locked Mm. facility. Um, but I loved them. They were really cool kids when you broke through the exteriors and um i went to i did grad school while i was in um in that job also and also got a um certification in drug and alcohol counseling because most of my kids had issues Mm -hmm. um so i did that for a while and then i um left that place and went to western which is where i work now western psychological and um did drug and alcohol treatment with teenagers and adults for a little bit uh, for a couple of years, but really felt the calling more to mental the mental health side of things. And mm-hmm. so now I work in outpatient mental health at Western Psychological in Hillsboro. Cool. Wow. That's quite a journey that you've been on. And seems like God has shown up for you at some pretty critical times uh, in your spiritual journey, but also giving you kind of a, a direction and a calling into helping people. Uh, wrestle with the inner the inner life questions that they're dealing with um thank you for sharing that yeah yeah thank you for your your story yeah so because of your uh expertise and the circumstances that we're in right now um i think i think one of the things that's interesting that's happening right now is that everybody's job is kind of changing in one way or another like for those of individuals that aren't losing jobs um, the way that we're working has shifted. And I was wondering on, on your front, what uh, has your work looked like uh, maybe over the last month and how has it changed? 
it has changed significantly. <laughs> yeah. Um, obviously, it's it's uh, I can't be bringing patients home with me. That doesn't really work out well. Um, <laughs> so what we have done is uh, my company has been really really great about getting us all set up within Zoom so that we can um, see our clients, still see them face-to-face and work with them, but don't have to be in the office. We Mm. are considered essential employees, so technically we could be in the office, um, but it's nice that we don't have to be. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's interesting. I don't think these resources even would have been available a year or two ago. So, um, you know, it's really helpful to have that. I think it's been really beneficial also in ways like um, we can see a little window into our clients' lives. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. sometimes just being able to see them with their pets, I enjoy that. Um, but just in home environments also gives us a little more um, insight. Yeah, that's so interesting because I hadn't thought about, you know, from the perspective of, you know, when somebody brings themselves to your office, you only you only get to evaluate what they're telling you in that space. But now you have more information about their, their setting, their circumstance, their context to, to add to how you counsel and how you, um, how do you treat those patients? I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. I have a lot of uh, mental health people in my family too. And something that they were saying that they didn't expect is that some people are actually feeling a lot more comfortable because Mm. they're in their space. Like, do you, do you see that Beth, how sometimes like, are people being a little bit more comfy now that they're home instead of having to like come into the office? Absolutely. Yeah. In, in fact, in some, in some cases, they're a little too comfy. Uh, <laughs> are they in like PJs? Oh, and stuff? completely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I've, we've been talking to them about, you know, trying to, um, trying to transition, transition into the session and transition out. So try to get some of that um, distinction. You know, it's interesting, too, because it, this is a situation where, you know, as mental health therapists and something I especially like to do is I have very strong boundaries. And so this has been some, a challenge for me because I keep home and work very separate. Mm-hmm. And now that I'm working from home, I can't do that quite in the same way. And I think this is something that all of us mental health therapists are, are finding a challenge with yeah. um, because we're also all of us juggling kids and partners and pets when we're working from home too. Yeah. Um, wow. You know, and, and we're, it's a lot. we're also feeling the same thing. All of our clients are feeling, we're all going through this um, experience together. And so we're facing some of the same issues that they're facing too. Yeah. So you're going through, you're going through the, the similar grief in, in some personalized way for yourself, but you're also trying to help other people walk the journey out. Exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's tricky. And, and you know, in the, in the, in the world of pastor, pastoring and ministry, in the same kind of uh, framework, you know, I have to set boundaries with, you know, relationships too, with, with people in the church. And, and uh, in some ways, you know, it's kind of nice to to invite people into my home but it, it's also hard to create the right type of separation that you need to to maintain you know this is home life and this is my vocation my calling you know outside of my house so yeah it's a that's a tough thing to balance um so 
with this shelter in place, you mentioned that this is taking a toll on society at, at large. How, how do you see psychologically, how do you see COVID-19 impacting people on a mass level psychologically? Well, I, I think it really kind of depends on the person. Um, so there's, um, I think a lot of people are kind of taking the opportunity to connect with each other. Mm-hmm. which is really good. I see some really great things happening. So um, some families are definitely doing that. I've been really excited to hear from some of my teenagers who have said like, yeah, I feel more connected to my family. Mm. Um, we're talking more um, because they don't have their friends to go run off and, and be with. They're playing board games. They're doing that. So there's some really great yeah. things happening. Um, people are getting a little more connected with um, maybe neighbors or are people mm-hmm. more immediately close to them. Yeah. Um, but then, of course, there are the negative parts of that, too. So the people that are they're dealing with more depression doing to be, due to being alone and disconnected. Um, it's been interesting to me for me to kind of watch the levels of anxiety. I think for some people, I think um, I mentioned it earlier, there are some people that are less anxious. And that mm. is very true. Um, They don't have to go out into the world. They don't have to deal with people. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. So that's really working out well for them. But then, of course, the other people that um, may be more extroverts are struggling with being closed in, um, being worried about getting sick. um, Mm. And, of course, loneliness. You know, there are people that are really kind of feeling that, whether they live alone or... um, they just aren't able to see the friends that they want to see, particularly those teenagers um, has yeah, been kind of tough. And then of course, you know, on the far end of the spectrum too, uh, people that are stuck at home with family members who are abusive and they feel yeah. trapped. Mm. Those are the really tough ones. Oh, man, yeah. So there's just, it, so there's what you're saying is there's just a variety of ways that people are being impacted by this and it's not the same for each person. Right. Yep. So, Speaking to a broad universal audience like like we are potentially, um, what are things that each person needs to do to move through this season in the healthiest possible way? How do we take care of ourselves and um, and and try to I don't know try to bring some stability and and um, centeredness to ourselves in this season? That is a great question, um, and that is kind of encompasses what I do all day every day (laughs) um and i i think you actually mentioned it in in your question is that stability that is truly what we are looking for and so you know one of the first things that i try to do is help people maintain or establish some kind of routine i think that that is really important Um, it's hard when we are stuck at home and it's not something we're used to Mm -hmm. but it it does give us a a better sense of well-being if we have something that's predictable in life Mm -hmm. so you know making sure we establish that routine is definitely helpful um also being mobile making sure you're moving you're exercising take walks climb stairs garden have a lot of people gardening i think that's wonderful Mm. um clean the house you just have to find some kind of way to move yeah um the next one is connection and this can definitely sounds a little harder, but um, 
we we definitely will feel a little better the more we find ways to be face to face to people and that really that can be zoom that can be facetime discord um across a driveway you know just trying to find some ways to connect with people this is actually something i have really appreciated about crosspoint because um you know people bringing us meals people um, doing Sabbath schools online, uh, making sure yeah. there's a service to watch every week. I really, really appreciated that. That's awesome. Yeah, our uh, church is great at that. <laughs> yes, yes, we are. Yeah, we're trying to do all sorts of stuff outside the box, like the podcast. And, yeah. um, you know, that was one of the big motivators is just keeping people together because yeah. um, the church isn't just like a building or programs, right? It's it's the people. Um, yeah. At least, you know, I think I think that having a lot of connection has been really helpful for me personally. It has. Yeah. And, I, and I think that other part of that is connecting with God. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple more ways to, to really kind of help with this are um, making sure you're staying mindful. Being stuck at home can make you really feel like you're losing time and days are blurring together. Yeah. And so finding something that kind of connects you to the world and connects you to the day um, meditation, there are mindfulness practices out there that really kind of help you just stay in the moment. And I think that those are really important too. Um, mm-hmm. acknowledging safety, um, of course, follow guidelines, take care of yourself. And then finally, you know, finding a sense of purpose and meaning, I think is also really important. This is the one I've been working with people that are feeling the most lonely and most vulnerable yeah. through this time is finding opportunities or what can you do to volunteer from home? Can you make masks? Even things like sharing um, humorous or inspiring stories online, helping a neighbor, anything that you can do in that sense um, gives you a sense of purpose. Yeah, that that's such a good point. Like I remember having a conversation with a houseless man who uh, had lost his job because of cutbacks with the business he was working for. And, you know, he's living out of his car and, you know, th- this started like a alcohol drinking bender for him because he just felt like he had absolutely no purpose and he was cut off from connections. And so it, I didn't in the moment, I didn't know what I could actually do to help. Sh- to, I don't know, to help stimulate thought and reflection on that, that whole purpose question, because in some ways there are limitations that are systemic right now because of how things are operating. And I think a lot of people are in that same boat with him um, with struggling to find purpose and meaning in this whole situation. So I I hadn't thought of like, you know, using, you know, using your space, your home, your, your social media as a way to find purpose. Cause usually those things seem like, they're more for me, like those spaces historically for me, home has been a space for me to recharge instead of for me to reach out. You know what I mean? And it's, so it's a change in like the paradigm for me on a personal level on how I find meaning and purpose at home or, or wherever a person might be living. We're having to do a lot of reinventing of ourselves. <laughs> yeah. 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 And you know, especially like the blurring of home and work, I know so many people who are having a hard time, like you said, Ben, I know so many people who are like, their sleep schedule's off, they're like not eating well anymore. It's just really crazy. Yeah. Um, but you know, Beth, I had a question for you. So 
coronavirus, the, the ramifications of this is going to be felt for a very long time. Um, what do you think some of the long-term mental health effects are you going to like, are going to come out of this? And, and I know there's going to be a lot of bad, but do you think there could be any good too? Because I've been reading a lot of stuff from like Christian authors about how this is kind of changing how we're looking at community and people mm. and technology. Like, what do you, what do you think on, on the long-term effects of all this? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's definitely a big question. Um, and you are right. Unfortunately, there is a lot of um, concerning things that are going to come out of it. Um, you know, the unemployment which is going to lead to depression and substance abuse and suicide. And, you know, even people that are keeping their jobs are home drinking more, mm-hmm. which can also lead to addiction. Um, and then of course, people surviving in homes where they're actively being abused with no escape to work or school is really a tough one. And they are going to have a lot of mental health issues ahead of them to heal. Um, but I am glad that you did kind of bring up the, the positive side of things too. You know, it was interesting. I think major events always kind of make people reevaluate their lives. And I, I remember after nine 11 um, hearing ways that people changed. And I, and I remember hearing people, say that they after that they decided to get a divorce that one kind of surprised me but also that people <laughs> decided to get married or decided to have kids or decided to go back to school I think overall it was kind of this sense of you know I need to make more of my life that it's it's not just the day-to-day that I've always been doing and so um you know just kind of doing that reevaluation, and mm. I think a lot of people will change how they view their own health and and their relationships with other people and I think a lot of that will change for the better um I also think we'll in different ways know our friends and neighbors maybe a little bit better or in different ways than we did before yeah yeah I I I see my neighbors uh having little dry uh drive I live in a townhouse so there's alleys in between the units and I see people having little like barbecues like six feet apart barbecues with their neighbors uh, just as a way to connect because there, I can see it in people's faces. They're so hungry to just be known and seen and to know somebody else and to see somebody else. Uh, like going on my walks, you know, every day, I, I'm seeing people smiling and looking at me way more than I'm used to because <laughs> usually people's heads are down and they're on a mission and exercise the task rather than a, a space to process and, and reflect and stuff. Yeah, I think some people are just looking for any level of connection right now. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny because I used to like wear my headphones coming into work, you know, listening to podcasts or music or whatever. And it was like, fine, no big deal. But now I almost feel kind of awkward because everybody's like trying to talk and everybody's kind of engaged. You know, we can't be together, but when they see you, they want to like say hi and wave and comment on my mask or whatever. And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. Like it's, 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 crazy how open people have been with this I'm, i've been very shocked and, and pleasantly surprised yeah by it. that's cool um yeah well beth i have a, a question more um general about about how you practice your your career um how how would you say your faith informs the way that you counsel people who aren't christian right because as a christian you can i don't know if it's is it legal for you to bring up god if if your patients are Christian. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Okay. I didn't know. Um, so, you know, you, you can, you can share that, that road with them, but, but if they aren't Christian, like how do you handle that as a person of faith? Yeah. You know, it's interesting you, you say that too, because I actually advertise um, within Western that I am a, 
Christian-based counselor. And so people that people do seek me out specifically for that reason. And I, I love that because we can actually pray together and, you know, we can look more at Bible passages and, and, and go the direction of guidance from that. And that um, is so helpful to me to be able to do that. Um, I think, you know, being a Christian and, and working with somebody who isn't there there's a little more challenge to that but at the same time just having that background I think makes me an eternal optimist Mm. and Mm. my hope is that they can always feel that that you know whatever they're bringing in and whatever they're dealing with that I have hope for them that they can get better um and I can I can I can see their hope I can um do that with them and it's it's kind of funny I had um one of my a therapist that worked next to me for a while, she commented, she said, you know, I always notice that whenever people leave your office, they're laughing. (laughs) And I didn't really realize what I was doing. But um, after she said that I was paying better attention, and I really do make a concerted effort to leave them in a way, have them leave my office in a way that um, puts a smile on their face. And that can be challenging at times. But um, I, I try to use humor a lot with that. Mm-hmm. Um, when somebody doesn't have faith, it is hard that I can't direct them to that. Um, I just, I use optimism the best I can. I use other kinds of language um, that can kind of maybe give them hope. Um, and I think ultimately the best tool I have in my tool bag is that I can pray for them. It doesn't matter that they believe. It doesn't matter if they don't, if whether they want me to or not. It is something I absolutely can do and do do. Yeah, that's cool. You know, it's it's funny that you talk about how you can't necessarily mention God or Jesus, but you kind of can use language or or say things that kind of like hit the same messages that that Jesus gives us. And it's funny. Um, I'm, I'm about to out myself here. So I never grew up watching Mr. Rogers neighborhood and my, we just watched that movie and it was almost like my first experience with Mr. Rogers. And so he's, he was a Presbyterian minister, but during his show and stuff, he never really talked about God in his Mm -hmm. show, but he used language of like hope and forgiveness and how to love others. And it was so funny because I started doing more research on him as a person and he never really straight up mentioned Jesus or God in his show, but yet so many people heard the gospel through him without using that language. So um, it's just kind of new for me. And and hearing you say that, I mean, it sounds like really difficult, really challenging, but I bet when it hits, it hits hard. Yeah. And sometimes I have to, um, because I I do ask them in my first session with them, whether they're a Christian or not. And um, sometimes I forget. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they are so I always err on the side of caution um and there's a lot of people that are kind of in the middle and you know maybe believe in a higher power but don't want to name it God and whatever so yeah. you know I call it karma I call it higher power I call it whatever I need to call it but it's just a power with outside of themselves that um I can find yeah. gives the most hope it's like that AA language it is <laughs> yeah oh wow yeah Surrendering to a higher power. Yeah, that's one of the steps, I think, in AA. It is. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, so you've practiced this a lot on how you can help people that are struggling through maybe a mental health crisis or maybe just mental health hiccups. Um, 
But as an ordinary person, and uh, many of us that aren't in, in the psychological world uh, professionally, how do we best support other people who are struggling? Um, maybe in some small ways, what are some skills that we could practice to best support people who may be suffering more um, because of everything that's changed? That's a great question. Um, you know, I, I think that one of my favorite tools is just straight up validation being mm. able to recognize where somebody is coming from and just acknowledge their experience. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think it's important to have a lot of patience with people too. Um, one thing that one thing that I think is really important is that everybody kind of remember their, that there are true mental health disorders that people deal with on a daily basis. Yeah. Um, one thing I hear a lot from Christians and I honestly use it myself is the, biblical quotes around not worrying that's another benefit of being a christian with a christian client i can bring those up um i think those are wonderful messages from god i take great comfort in them myself um at the same time we live in a world that is fallen and full of sin Mm. and we're not the perfectly designed humans that god created us to be we have flawed dna and that results in the clinical depression and anxiety, just like we have birth defects and other physical disorders like cancer and diabetes. Um, So somebody with clinical anxiety is physically not able to stop their worry without outside help. And Mm. telling somebody they just need more faith isn't helpful. I think more people have talked about depression in that realm and have a better understanding of clinical depression, but a lot of people don't understand clinical anxiety Mm. Mm. with that. Yeah, good point. I think, you know, so often there's a very fine line between using hope as a form of denial and suppression and then applying hope as, you know, as a way to balance perspective. It's such a fine line there. Yeah. You know, in, in giving counsel, you know, as a pastor, you know, I have to I have to be very careful whether I'm trying to project my coping mechanism onto somebody else who needs to not maybe to enter into the pain more than they need the hope, you know, they need to journey through their thoughts instead of around them, you know, and feelings. Yes. And, uh, and I think it's just really hard because we do need to be very, very patient with people and allow them to kind of tell their story and move at their own pace. Yeah. And kind of remembering that everybody is dealing with this in their own way and it, it may be different in how we're dealing with it. And I'm, I am encouraging people right now to be very gentle with themselves, try to cut out the judgments. Um, you know, there, there really is no right or wrong way to do a pandemic. So yeah. we're just doing our best. Yeah. Yes. Well, Beth, I, I had a question for yeah. you, Beth. So, so earlier um, you were mentioning one of the reasons that you got into mental health is because you felt there was this kind of like stigma almost between oh, if you are depressed or anxious, then you just need more faith. You don't have enough faith. Do you feel that 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 stigma or that outlook is kind of changing now? Or like what's being done to, I guess, make that more of a something that people can like work through and it's not just beat over the head with you need more faith? I do think that that has changed, especially when I, well, you know, when I first was getting that impression, it was 30 years ago. I'm aging myself here. Um, but, and sometimes I think it has to do with, you know, where in the country we are and what, um, kind of, um, ways of thought have kind of crept into things, how, um, legalistic people can get. 
act um, with faith. But I do feel like um, there has been a shift in that and there is a stronger understanding about uh, especially depression and recognizing it, mm-hmm. it as something that can um, clinically happen in the brain and isn't controllable. And so I definitely see some movement with that. Um, anxiety, I think, is getting there, too. I think it's a little um, different. Uh, people haven't recognized it as much, even in things like people generally, I think, these days know about prenatal depression or post- postnatal depression, postpartum mm-hmm. depression. Mm-hmm. Uh, postpartum, but they, yeah. yeah, but they don't know about postpartum anxiety. Mm. Hmm. I didn't know about postpartum anxiety after my first child was born and I had it. Wow. So, you know, there are little things that we're all just kind of learning about all the time. Yeah. Wow. It's like aiming at a moving target, right? Like once you think you figured it out, something new changes and it just makes it all start. Over. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I, I, in the spiritual religious world, you know, you hear a lot of people saying things like, oh, faith over fear. You know, and and really, they may be talking about various degrees of anxiety. And sometimes that's just really unhelpful messaging of like, oh, like, put your faith above this fear, like, will yourself to feel less afraid, you know, and it's that's not the cure. I think thinking through things um, and deeply thinking through things and then and then applying the fear to the right degree is really important for people to do yeah because you you do have to um you do have to face that fear that is how you get through it but at the same time having somebody validate and acknowledge it is is really essential too. just kind of saying i see you i see what you're going through this is hard and i believe in you yeah yeah and, you know, I don't think anybody could tell me straight face that Jesus wasn't anxious in the Garden of Gethsemane. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, dude, sweating blood. I mean, yeah. he is probably freaked out. And, yeah. You know, he's our he's our king. So if he if it's good for him, it's good for me. Right. Like, yeah. Absolutely. But, <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Troy, do you have uh, anything else you wanted to add? Um, well, I'll side comment. So. I get to uh, I get to study with Beth's son, and I kind of feel like maybe we're uh, cycling back into your history, where uh, your son wants to be baptized soon. I think that's super exciting. At, at the age of twelve, <laughs> and you that's you got awesome. baptized at eleven, so maybe maybe the 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 generational blessing is being carried on into him through you and and your family. So anyway, thanks for being an awesome example. And, uh, and disciple maker in your own right as a mental health counselor and a parent. Uh, thanks for joining our show and sharing your wisdom with uh, the audience here today, Crosspoint and beyond. We just really appreciate you taking the time out to do this. Thank you so much. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Troy, do you want to pray for us and then we'll, we'll end the episode? I would love to, yeah. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you so much for carrying us uh, through these times, these days. We thank you for um, just knowing every hair on our heads, uh, that you're that involved in our lives. And you see the struggle, you see the change, you see the loss, you see the 
the addictive behaviors. You see it all, Lord, and you're not afraid to be in the middle of, of us and, and of, of this. And so we thank you for joining us and being faithful. We thank you that um, you can always quiet the storms of our lives and you can always give us hope in something better on the horizon. So we look forward to that hope. Uh, whatever life may come up, come out and look like on the other side of COVID-19, just set our, our sights there and uh, may we just trust in, in you to, to take us through this. And thank you for Beth and bringing her onto the show today and continue to guide and protect her family and her life and her ministry um, in her own right. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, everyone. Jesus came into the world announcing that the kingdom of God has arrived in him. Culture wants to have the kingdom without the king, but Jesus is as relevant today as he was yesterday and will be tomorrow. Thank you for listening as we wrestle with how to live as disciples of Jesus in our modern culture and to share our relevant faith. God bless.